Welcome to Truth and Liberty. Thank you for joining our daily live call-in broadcast where trusted leaders bring biblical insights to the issues and you can call in and get your questions answered in real time. According to the Bible, it's the truth you know that sets you free. So call in today to get answers, information, and resources to help you stand for truth and effect godly change in our nation and the world. And now, here's your host for today's broadcast, Dwayne Sheriff. Hey everyone, welcome to Truth and Liberty. I'm your host today, Dwayne Sheriff. I know some of you have tuned in expecting to see our beloved Andrew, but he's in Washington, D.C. actually right now as I speak, and he's being awarded a fantastic award. He's literally at the National Association of Christian Lawmakers Annual Gala 2023. These are the Christian leaders in the area of law and politics, and uh, this is a tremendous award. The keynote speaker is House of Representative, our, our uh, Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, and Mike is also the keynote speaker uh, of the event, but he's getting a, an award too. He's getting the American Patriot Award for Christian Honor and Courage. And I just want to say when he was elected and selected as the House Speaker, I saw his courage and the strength of his faith. The secular media, many within that, that mountain begin to attack him immediately concerning his faith and he made a strong stand. He didn't apologize for his Christian faith. And so he's worthy of that honor. Andrew is going to receive the honor of the George Washington Lifetime Christian Leadership Award. George Washington Lifetime Christian Leader uh, Award. And boy, is he, is he worthy of it and, and that honor is due him. And so we're excited for him. If you didn't get to see that today, uh, go to, and the, and the website is Christian Lawmakers, ChristianLawmakers.com, and you can see um, Andrew receiving his, his, his award. Now, uh, we've got a very special rally coming up in Colorado Springs on December the 10th. You need to write that down if you're in the area or going to be in the area. That's a, a rally in support of Israel. You, you just don't see much of this in our culture right now. And uh, it's one of the things that my guest with me today we're going to discuss is the discernment between good and evil and, and the deception that's in our culture today. And uh, this rally will be a rally in support of Israel, their right to exist, their right to defend themselves uh, against terrorism, Hamas, and the things that happened to them on October the 7th. And so that's from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. You can get more information at awmi.net. AWM, AWMI, am I getting that right? <laughs> I'm going to have to look at it. AWMI, I got it right, dot net. Uh, you can get more information on where the rally will be. And uh, boy, if you could be a part of that, I think that would be wonderful. We've got our Heart of Christmas performance coming up December the 8th through the 10th. That's December the 8th, that's a Friday. The 9th, that's a Saturday. And the 10th is a Sunday. So December the 8th through the 10th, this performance is over the top. I've seen it a couple of times with my grandchildren. I, I think that some of my grandchildren are going to be here even for this performance. Uh, Friday's performance is at 7 p.m. 
Saturday's performance is at 2 p.m. and Sunday's performance is at 3 p.m. right here on the Karis College campus right here in Woodland Park, Colorado. Man, it's well worth your time to be a part of that. That is uh, for a cost and tickets, and you need to go online at awmi.net and go to the Christmas performance and get your tickets. There is limited seating, and uh, you get to pick where you sit, and that'll be a blessing to you. All right, we also have a live nativity right here at the Karis College Karis Bible College campus in Woodland Park as well. That's on December the 15th through the 6th, through the 17th, excuse me. So that's December the 15th, 16th, and 17th. And it's from 6 p.m. to 8.30. You do not need tickets. This is something really nice for your children and your grandchildren. And they'll be serving hot chocolate. So that's worth the trip right there to get free hot chocolate. And the lights are beautiful. The nativity, live nativity scene is just absolutely over the top. And I know you'll be blessed. Want to encourage you to go to truthandliberty.net. One word, truthandliberty.net. We have a lot of resources available for you to keep you informed and news and finding news. People don't even know what news is. What people call the six o'clock news is primarily propaganda. And so the ministry has really searched for conservative news outlets where you can get the truth and be informed to make educated decisions, especially as we come into this, this election cycle. So that'll be a blessing truthandliberty.net. We have those resources. Again, we have a 24-hour news feed that's updated every 15 minutes of current events. That'll be a blessing to you. We also have archived all of our Truth and Liberty uh, shows, and you can go back and review, or you can recommend to a family member or a friend a show. This will be one, I promise you, that you, you're going to want to revisit and uh, share with a friend. So you can find that on the website as well. Well, let's get into today's, if you will, show. I guess I need to give you the number 719-619, 719-619. I forgot the other two or four numbers. 719-619-2341. This is a call-in show, and we welcome and invite and really enjoy taking your, your questions or your comments. Some of the things we're going to share, I promise, should create questions or hopefully positive comments that would contribute to the show and to the listener and the viewer. And so we just encourage you to, to contact us, to call in. And, uh, and please don't wait till the last 15 minutes. It's like the last programs I've done, uh, there weren't a lot of calls coming in, and then all of a sudden toward the end, I didn't have time to take all the calls. So try to call us early, 719-619-2341. Let's get to our host. I met uh, Javan Smith at a conference that I was speaking at, and I speak at a lot of conferences, and uh, I get a lot out of them. I, I choose to get a lot out of them, no matter who's speaking. I, I receive something. But when Javan got up and began to speak, I mean, my heart leaped within me in regards to safeguards in him teaching the body of Christ how to, to put up safeguards uh, for, for and against deception. 
And so you're going to enjoy this, I, I promise you. Um, he's actually a graduate of Karis Bible College out of Atlanta, Georgia, one of our extension schools. Uh, he worked at uh, a church called something, The Rock. The Solid Rock of Atlanta. The Solid Rock of Atlanta. <laughs> what a great, a great name. He and his wife, Dora, they've been married since 2010. They were full-time staff at that church. I think 13 years yes. you were on staff there and contributed. He's got his own independent ministry that is a blessing to English-speaking continents and Spanish-speaking continents, which is a blessing. Also, I just want to make mention that he works now and lives here in Woodland Park, Colorado. He and his wife are both staff members of AWMI, and uh, he is actually a representative of Army, of Army. And I'd like, uh, before we get into the topic today, I'd like Javan to, to share a little bit about Army and what, what God's doing there and what your role is. Well, thank you, sir. First of all, thank you for that introduction. It's an honor to be with you. I appreciate the invitation. I've been waiting to clear my throat since you started talking, so <clears throat> I will do that. <laughs> and Army is the Association of Related Ministries International for Andrew Womack Ministries and Karis Bible College. And the title, the acronym implies it's an association, but I think of it more as a family, a community of ministers, pastors. We've got uh, a network of pastors throughout the U.S. with uh, regional and area leaders. We meet on local levels, have local coffee fellowships, local regional gatherings. Matter of fact, uh, that's where I connected with Pastor Duane at a regional gathering for Army recently. And we are expanding internationally uh, very rapidly. The, our U.K. office uh, is managing 16 countries of Army members, and, uh, and that's just the ones managed by U.K. We have other nations that we manage here from our local office on site in Colorado. And so our Army's continuing to grow, but uh, we're working with Truth and Liberty, and we're looking to collaborate more with Truth and Liberty. Truth and Liberty offers pastor resources, and that's one thing that, uh, aside from being two branches of the same ministry, uh, we want to resource pastors. Both of us work uh, from different angles to resource pastors, to equip pastors, to mobilize pastors, to empower. I, I keep saying pastors, but really it's pastors, leaders, ministers. And you've probably heard Andrew Womack say on this program or in some point in ministry, he said that he believes, and Pastor Duane says the same thing, that the third great awakening is underway. And you don't have to be a spectator. You don't have to sit on the sideline and watch everything unfold. You can be part of it. In fact, you should be part of Amen. it. And if you've wondered how to become part of it, well, Army is a good way to connect and link arms with like-minded ministers and become a united front so that you're positioned effectively to maximize uh, your, your, your role in the Third Great Awakening. So Amen. we invite you to check us out. Armyminister.org is the current uh, website. You can, you can go and look at it. And we're updating things regularly. A lot of new things are coming to Army. Uh, but it's a blessing to be part of. Yeah, I, again, <clears throat> I, I met Javan on, on that conference or at that conference. And it was an Army conference. And man, I just love Army. I love seeing something available for ministers to, to connect and have a relationship with like-minded people that love the scriptures, love the Word of God. 
And again, I began saying this third great awakening before I heard anyone say anything about it. And Andrew was the first one that I heard talk about it after I felt like the Lord showed me this. So we are an army Amen. that God is raising up to be a blessing to other ministries. We got to get past this competing thing against one another and begin to share resources and revelation and uh, just what God is doing. So if you are a pastor or a minister uh, in the body of Christ, check out Army. I know you'll be blessed. Well, let's jump into our subject today. Again, I asked Javan to come on because in this conference, I've been preparing a series uh, for, for a couple of years, and I've never done that with a specific series, but I've been wanting to teach on the difference between discernment and deception. Mm -hmm. And so I've been just writing my thoughts down, scriptures down, making outlines, which is rare for me, uh, but I wanted to really focus on this. And so when Javan got up and spoke, again, my heart leaped within me, because uh, a lot of times I feel like I'm out here on my own in the wilderness uh, talking about the power of discernment, the importance of discernment in this hour, and the danger of deception. You just don't hear much. And when he began to share, I, I tell you, I got excited. <laughs> I just got really excited. So I just wanted him to come on and share some of the things the Lord has shown him. So tell us what's going on with you and the Lord and, and what he showed you in regards to the danger of deception, safeguards. What got me, and I'll, I'll quit talking, what got me was he began to talk about safeguards mm -hmm. for and to protect us from deception. And I've never heard anybody say that. And I've got, I had like eight of them. Uh, since I met him, I've got like 10 now. Hallelujah. I had a couple more added. So go ahead, uh, Javan, tell us what God's saying to you about this topic. Yes, sir. Well, it's a very timely message. The Apostle Paul talks in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And in verse 13, he says, but evil men, and he's talking about the time we're living in, he says, evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Notice, it doesn't say they'll grow worse. It says worse and worse. Yeah. So that shows a, a progressive uh, nature that this pervasive problem of deception proliferating in the church. And that's really what I've been emphasizing because it's no surprise that the world is deceived. The world's going to continue to grow darker and darker. The Bible says that deep darkness will cover the people, the Bible says in Isaiah. And so I'm not surprised to see the darkness getting worse in the world. But when the world grows darker, that's supposed to be our time as the church to arise and shine. We're supposed to be the light. But if we are falling prey to deception, and we're supposed to be the light, Jesus said, if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? We're the ones, we're the Goshen dwellers, right? While the rest of Egypt is, in, is in darkness, we're the ones with light. And so this is actually our time. We shouldn't be uh, afraid or resentful of living in a time where darkness is growing worse because this is actually our time to rise and advance like never before. But in order to do that, we've got to safeguard against deception and it is our responsibility. You can't pray and say, oh Lord, keep me from being deceived. Jesus said it's our responsibility. Yeah. In Matthew 24, 4, I'm going to read a couple of these passages, but Matthew 24, 4, Jesus answered and said to them, in the context of talking about the end days, in the end times, he said, take heed that no one deceives you. Take heed that no one deceives you. Well, that's putting the responsibility on you. It's up to you to ensure that you don't fall into deception. 
Now, this is Jesus talking, but do you know that as far back as in the Old Testament, That's right. under the law, yeah. Moses made a very similar statement to the children of Israel who didn't have the Holy Spirit as mm -hmm. we do. That's right. Deuteronomy 29.4, it says that they didn't even have eyes to see and ears to hear the way we do. God had not given them eyes to see and ears to hear, and yet even they were instructed and warned to take heed and guard against deception. Which means, see, God will never give you an instruction that you can't keep. He'd be unjust in doing that. Amen. So that means even in the Old Testament, this would be Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 16. Listen to what Moses says to the people of Israel. Take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. So Moses is talking to the children of Israel. That means even the children of Israel, with their limited understanding, their limited access to the presence of the Lord, they didn't have eyes to see and ears to hear as we do, even they could see through deception. That's right. They, they had the ability to. They didn't often take advantage <laughs> of that ability, but right. they could. Right. So if they had the ability to see through deception, how much more we who have the Holy Spirit, the inner witness that embraces truth and rejects lies, how much more can we see through deception? So the Lord taught me some principles out of a well-known Old Testament story of Jacob, when Jacob deceived his father Isaac to steal the blessing that had been intended, at least from Isaac's part, Isaac intended the blessing to go to his son Esau Jacob's twin brother. Now there's a whole obviously big picture context that we don't have time to build. Esau had despised his own birthright and I believe that because he did that he was called a vile person in Hebrews. So I believe that's why he wasn't eligible for the blessing in God's eyes. But yeah, that's good. Uh, Jacob deceived. And so just taking this story without building the bigger context, there, the, the story Genesis 27, I'll just turn over there and I'm not going to yeah. try to unpack all of it, but there's just some principles that we can address with the time that we have. And these were the things too that you brought out, that, that Javan brought out that so resonated with me because I, I concur that I expect the world to be in darkness. I was in it. I got delivered from it. So I understand that position. But when they have infected the church like we see today, and I try to share things that it should be just common knowledge among God's people, right. you get this pushback. You get you get this opposition even from within, which is a testament of God's people now being deceived in certain areas. And so when he goes over this, listen to the Holy Spirit, uh, because it was the Holy Spirit that really resonated in me, the, the pattern that you laid down, that, that you can see it in the world, you can see it in the church, and if you're honest, you could see it in the past where perhaps you have been deceived. So go ahead and, and share that with us. And that pushback and resistance to truth that you just mentioned, we'll probably address it later in the show, but I know you and I had the discussion of uh, uh, the red flag of people getting defensive when you try to share truth with them, that that's yeah. a sign that they're in the early stages or maybe advanced yeah. stages of falling into deception. I'm sure we'll address that yeah, later. But absolutely. But this story here from the Old Testament, I don't have time to go through all of it, but... I often identify with the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 11. He actually wrote into Hebrews, what should I say for the time would fail me? And that's how I feel a lot of yeah. times when I share the word. But yeah. this story from Genesis 27, Isaac was about to bless his son Esau. Isaac uh, had reached the age where his eyes had grown dim. He wasn't able to see very well. And so Isaac's wife, Rebecca, overheard 
him talking to Esau and saying, hey, I want you to go out and hunt some game and, and cook me some of that stew that I love so that my soul can bless you before I die. And Rebekah heard those words, and so she called her other son, Jacob, and she said, I want you to be the one to be blessed. And so she intended for Jacob to intercept that blessing, and so she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cook the stew that your father likes, and you can take it to him, and you'll get the blessing. Well, Jacob's concern was, well, Esau's a hairy man, and I'm not. And if, if my father feels me, Jacob was concerned that, that, he, that it wouldn't be a right feeling. I'll get to that in a minute. He said, if my father feels me, then he'll realize who I am and what I'm doing. He'll think I'm a deceiver, which Jacob was at the time. And he said, and I'll bring a, a curse on myself instead of a blessing. And so Rebecca said, you let me handle that and let the curse be on me if, if necessary. Just do what I tell you. And so what they did was Rebecca uh, killed a kid of the goats, took the goat skin, right, put it on Jacob's arms. What's interesting to me is just a little parenthetical. We don't have time for parenthetical deals. But anyway, the <laughs> that Rebecca used the kid of the goat in this deception and the sowing and reaping principle. That's right. The next generation, uh, Jacob's own sons deceived him yeah. with the skin yeah. of a kid of the goat to make him think Joseph Man, was dead. Such So good. I don't want to interrupt in one way, but before he gets into the detail of this, let me tell you what the greatest deception in the Bible is, that Isaac thought that goat was venison. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest deception in the Bible, is that you could think that, that venison and goat meat tastes the same. So that was the big, big thing I saw as he was teaching this the first time. But go ahead, Javed. Well, it sounds like Isaac wouldn't be too difficult to deceive in that <laughs> That's case. That's right. Then, right? <laughs> Although I don't know the difference between the two very well. I haven't had much Vincent. But anyway, so, so Jacob does what Rebecca tells him to do. And she goes, he puts the goat skin on and, and goes to his father. And, and essentially, to avoid reading all of this, uh, she go, he takes the, the stew to his father. And his father says, well, how have you he said, first, who are you, my son? He said, I am your, your firstborn Esau. He lied to him. And then Isaac said, well, how did you find the game so quickly? And so Jacob, just on the fly, comes up with an answer and says, well, the Lord your God brought the, the game to me. And so I did, it, I did it quickly and speedily. And I'm sure he's trying to do this fast before Esau comes. That's right. And the lies discovered, which that's another point. I didn't bring this up when I taught it before. But the enemy is always trying to pressure you to buy his lies. There's a, yeah. there's a, a pressure. And, and he tries to buy it quick. You know, yep. I've heard people fall for scams, and the scam artists try to get you to sign quick before you get yeah. wise to what they're doing. Right. So here's Jacob coming with this pressure. And anyway, Esau perceives, or excuse me, Isaac perceives that something's amiss because he says, well, the, the, the voice is the voice of Jacob. He says, come near so I can feel you. And that's where we get into the heart yeah. of our story. Yep. So this is Genesis 27. And in verse 20 is where he said, how'd you find it so quickly? And then verse 21, Genesis 27, 21, Isaac said to Jacob, please come near that I may feel you. Mm -hmm. Now this mm -hmm. is a key word right here, okay? Don't, I'm talking to the viewer, don't overlook the word feel here, okay? Yeah. This, he said, come near so that I can feel you, my son, whether you are really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And he said, and, and this is, listen to Isaac's words here. Here's where you're going to see that Isaac had an opportunity to see through the deception. But he chose deception. Listen carefully. It says, So Jacob went near to Isaac, his father, and he felt him, and he said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. Mm. 
So Isaac was able to hear the voice and realize something's not right with the voice. Mm -hmm. But he said, come near so I can feel you. Now this, notice he opted for a feeling and disregarded the voice. That's exactly right. That's so good. He opted for a feeling and that is what immature believers That's right. do all the time. And so Isaac says, well, the, the, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but it feels like it, it's the hand of Esau. How often do immature believers, they say, well, the voice doesn't sound quite right. I can't tell if it's, a, but it, it feels like it could be the hand of God. Yeah. And they opt for a feeling. Absolutely. Anytime you opt for a feeling, that's a sign of immaturity. Can you, I, I don't know where you're going. Uh, we didn't do an outline together, but I'd like to go to Revelation if we can. Yes. Uh, because as he's looking up Revelation and the lamb and the deception of, of something appearing or feeling like the lamb, but the voice, we have to learn in these last of the last days to discern God's voice. Right. And I can tell you, Javan, and I can look, look the audience in the eye and ministering now for over four decades that every deception in a believer, especially an immature one, that's usually the, the groundwork for deception too is our immaturity. Uh, it was always, I know what the Bible says, They've overridden the voice on the inside and, and said, this is how I feel. Uh, this is how it looks. Right. And this passage right here will help us all do better at discerning versus being deceived. Go ahead and share that because you shared that in the conference too and it, it resonated big time with me. I did. This is a great place to bring it up. It's Revelation 13, 11. It says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So he created the appearance of a lamb, yeah. but he still had the voice of a dragon. And that is one thing the enemy cannot do. Uh, the right. enemy cannot imitate the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so, so if you pay attention to the yeah. voice, that's the way to safeguard against deception. But most people, people, unfortunately, because there's a lot of immature believers in the body of Christ. And I think most people, I think it's the majority. I could be wrong, but I believe it's the majority that most opt for the feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and again, you can develop your discernment of that still small voice. You can, you can heighten your spiritual senses and we'll get into some of that. We'll take some calls here, but we'll also get into, you know, how to heighten and, and hear that voice, how to discern that voice better. But I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, you look at your family, your children that have gone off the cliff and gone off into, into literally abominations. When you try to talk to them, it'll boil down to, this is how I feel about it. You try to share the Bible, you try to share the Word of God, and they'll literally, I've had people at church tell me, I don't want to hear what the scriptures say. I don't want to hear what the Bible says. This is how I feel. Right. And they just listen to the, you know, things that are wrong. Love is love. Mm -hmm. And that feels good. Warm and fuzzy. Love is love. Well, it's idolatry. Love is not love. And when love becomes a God, it leads to lust and 
and perversions. No, God is love. Love isn't love. God is love. And love can only be discerned and understood in a relationship with God and His Word. And so we're going to get into, into, into some of that. Tell me, as we got just a few more minutes left here, a few more seconds actually, right. uh, some examples, if you can, of what you've seen in this. Even, even I don't know, out of ministers. I've had ministers uh, literally neglect the Word, override the still small voice, because it looks like the Lamb. Right. Oh, absolutely. Well, uh, people are getting involved in relationships that feel like they could be from God, mm. it, it creates yeah. a feeling of some sort. Yeah, that's good. Uh, completely disregard the voice of the Lord. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so I would say that's a, that's a huge example yeah. that I've come across in ministry. Well, it's love. But I'm sitting here going, but it's the voice of the dragon. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> that's the devil. Can't you discern uh, the voice of the dragon versus the voice of the real, true, authentic lamb? Right. And so we want to take your, your questions or, or comments. Uh, you can call us at 719-619-2341. 719-619-2341. And we're going to take a 90-second break, and then we're going to come back Take a few of your calls. I'd like to elaborate further. I mean, I, I could just spend hours just listening to you, uh, collaborating on what's God saying to you, what I've been hearing. Uh, this is important, brothers and sisters, Amen. that you learn the process of deception and that you learn how to reverse it. Amen. We'll be back in 90 seconds. With practical government, you have experts in the fields that are sharing their perspective, wisdom, and experience. It's not available anywhere else in the world. We're going to teach a Christian heritage of our American government. They're going to learn about the Founding Fathers. We're teaching the Constitution, how government operates, practical skills, and field study. No matter where you're coming from, the world needs you. Whatever God's calling you to do, you're able to do it. To learn more, visit practicalgovernmentschool.com. At Truth and Liberty Coalition, we work to unify, educate, and mobilize the body of Christ to change nations. That's why I want to encourage you to go to our website at truthandliberty.net and subscribe so that you can begin receiving regular updates uh, about our show, news items, action alerts, blog posts, and much, much more. Uh, all you have to do is go to the website, click subscribe, share your email address, and you'll begin to be equipped to stand for truth in the public square. Hi, my name is Carrie Pickett, and like many of you, I wear lots of hats. But most of all, I'm a child of God. Ever since I was young, my desire has been to share the unconditional love of God. There is nothing more rewarding to me than people changing their lives and then changing the world. That's why I'm inviting you to join me wherever you are, and let's discover together these foundational truths that will transform your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff and I have a very special guest with me, Javan Smith, and we're sharing on the subject of discernment <laughs> uh, versus deception. And uh, there are right at 52 warnings in the New Testament alone dealing with be not deceived. And yet even the direct commandments that I see, like Galatians 6, uh, 7, be not deceived. God's not mock, whatever man sows, he reaps. Right. Uh, you and I both have heard people even say that the law of sowing and reaping is not for the New Testament believer. And yet right out of there, the New Testament, it says, don't be deceived. Whether we're deceived or not, God won't be mocked. Right. 
whatever we sow, we reap. That is a kingdom law. And yet we have ministers that are deceived, yeah. thinking that a direct commandment doesn't apply. So I'm anxious to get back into, into some of your thoughts, but let's go to the phones uh, quickly and we'll take Patrick, uh, a CBC alumni and supporter. You're from Iowa. Thanks for calling, Patrick. What is your question? Hi, Dwayne and, and Hi. Um, it's, uh, I'm not sure if it's pertaining uh, to what you guys are talking about, though I really uh, am interested in what you are talking about, the deception thing. Um, but it's, uh, the question is, I recently, uh, like today, found out about something that's being done at our border, and it's really got me angry. And I was wondering, can a Christian be angry at their government and call it righteous indignation, similar uh, to what Jesus had? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, there's a fine line. I'll, I'll pass this off to Javan here in just a moment, but I do want to weigh in on this and tie it back to deception. Uh, we have this concept of Jesus that's not biblical, uh, not realizing that that. He, he was absolutely uh, righteously angry at all that was going on in the temple, overthrew the money changers, drove them out of the temple with a whip. It was premeditated. He built the whip. Uh, I, I think the only caution I want to add to my comment uh, to Patrick and others watching, we do have to be careful of that fine line between anger of the flesh uh, self-righteousness versus righteous indignation. But if we are born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, we believe in a just and righteous God and things should anger us. I'm not talking about being angry at people, but deception should anger us. Uh, and many are deceived in this regard. They think Christians are supposed to be passive, uh, non-confrontational, uh, and I'm, I realize, again, it takes me a long time to qualify all my statements, uh, but we're in a war, we're in a battle, and we need to come from the position of God's righteous anger. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Um, I'll throw it off to you, Javan. Absolutely. Thank you for the question, Patrick. And Pastor Dwayne, you got me thinking about Jesus making the whip in advance. Now I'm yeah. processing. That's premeditated. That's, that's pretty amazing. It's premeditated, yeah. <laughs> so <clears throat> righteous anger is always in order towards any form of ungodliness. And, and I agree with Pastor Dwayne in the qualification. And I would, I would also say that righteous anger is rooted in love. Absolutely. Very good point. So any type of carnal anger, the, the big difference is carnal anger is never rooted in love. It's rooted in self, <laughs> self-serving and, and selfish ambition or, or whatever you're thinking about yourself. But righteous anger is rooted in love, love for the Lord, love for people, love for the sheep that are uh, vulnerable to the wolves. And, and you're protecting the sheep of the Lord's flock. So it's always in order. To, to have righteous indignation that's rooted in love. Absolutely. And, and therein lies the problem, uh, Javan. Uh, the church has been deceived into what love sounds like and what love 
looks like. That's exactly right. And that's a whole that's a whole show in and of itself. We'll we'll pray about that. that. But thank you so much for calling, Patrick. What a thank blessing. Uh, let's go to Leslie from Colorado. Uh, thank you, Leslie, for calling. Uh, what's your question, please? Um, my question is, um, first of all, hello, you guys. I hope you're doing well. My, we are. Um, Thank you. Um, my question is, within my uh, group of friends, we've kind of had this uh, ongoing discussion of uh, disappointment in local pastors in our local community. And with that kind of disappointment that comes from church leadership, moral failures, things of that nature, is there a justification outside of Christian persecution for pulling outside of the local church and instituting home groups? Um, they're using the uh, the background of, well, that's how Acts did it, and, you know, I, I disagree with that, yeah, that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking for yeah. uh, more of a biblical perspective on the need well, for me... the local church, and that is not going away. Let me help you with your your argument uh, with using the Acts model. They say the Acts model of home churches. It said they met in the temple yep. daily as well as from house to house. So my answer, and I'll, I'll, I'll pass this off pretty quickly, but my answer is we need both. We have to have both. We have to have small groups, home groups, uh, but we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but as we see the day approaching and we see it approaching, we need to provoke one another to love and to good works. I do get not wanting to go to a dead church or a, a, a backslidden church and maybe even subject your children to certain things. I get that, but I believe God is, is restoring the church and calling us back to the church and that we still need oversight. And I just want to encourage your group to, to get involved in perhaps a church that you can positively affect for change and for good because God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what Jesus is doing now and I want to partner with him. So it's kind of both, but I do get your, 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 your feelings about it. How, how do you feel about that? Well, thank you for the question, Leslie. And I know that people feel very strongly about the stance they have on this topic. I agree with you. I was going to answer exactly as you did. As far as the balance of meeting in the temple and from house to house, I believe both are important. And one of the things that, Leslie, when you were asking the question, <clears throat> you said about is it, is it a justifiable reason for anything other than persecution? Uh, to, you were saying maybe disappointment in pastors. I, 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 th I think that's how you asked and articulated the question. Um, but that would probably need to be unpacked a little more. What's the reason for the disappointment? I mean, if the pastor's teaching heresy, well, then uh, you have a right to be disappointed and to yeah. leave and yeah. to warn people not to be there. But uh, sometimes our disappointment in pastors is just their humanity. And uh, if you walk away from, from the pastor that you're <laughs> serving under uh, just for a disappointment because of his humanity, man, Moses needed Aaron and her. <laughs> And, and, uh, Absolutely. And that, that's excellent. I, I really hope, I can't imagine that not helping uh, because there's no perfect church. There's no perfect leaders. Uh, but God has a plan for his, his church, the ecclesia, and, and the natural side of it and, and, the, and the spiritual side of it. And I, I just want to encourage you. I don't think you're doing anything wrong, but reevaluate with your friends as Javan just said, 
what is the disappointment? If it's heresy, I mean, if it's out, if they're preaching Jesus is not the Son of God, right. get out. The thing's fixing to burn to the ground anyway. Yeah. But disagreements, that, that's part of the Christian faith is working out our disagreements and our humanity within the love of God. So excellent question. Well, I'm excited uh, about the questions already. Uh, let's go quickly to Char in Wisconsin. I hope I'm saying that. Uh, correctly. Uh, forgive me if I'm not, but thank you for calling. What's your question, please? Oh, that's great, Dwayne. You did a great job. Um, thank you. Thank you for taking my question. Um, Javan, you have a teaching called um, The Grace to Endure Persecution, which was uh, sobering and encouraging. But my question to you is, do you feel that the ministry as a whole are prepared themselves to prepare the body of Christ for coming persecution? That's an excellent question. I wasn't prepared to have someone call in and reference one of my teachings. I didn't know that was going to happen, but I'm <laughs> really blessed that that teaching spoke to you. Yeah. And I believe the answer is no, but, well, I say no. I, I, I don't know that you really can prepare because here's the thing. Remember when Jesus was talking in the context of persecution, uh, in the context, when he said they'll deliver you up before the magistrates, they'll take you and beat you in the synagogues and all of these things. He said, don't premeditate what you'll say because it'll be given you in that hour, whatever the spirit gives you. So there's only so much preparing you can do. Uh, but I, the teaching you're referencing, uh, the, the, the rest of the viewers wouldn't have the, the context there. But I was talking about the fellowship of his suffering and how there is an intimacy that we can experience with Jesus in this life within the context of persecution, a greater depth of intimacy than we could otherwise experience uh, in this lifetime. Because he's right there with you in the midst of the persecution. Just the way he stood for Stephen when, when Stephen was being stoned. Jesus, <laughs> think about it, he actually, uh, in a sense, broke the rules of time and space to be with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace because they were, uh, they were choosing to take a stand and he was with them in the middle of the persecution. He showed up on the scene before he even came in, in, in the flesh, before the incarnation. So Jesus is there when you are suffering persecution. He takes it very personal. That's when, remember the Apostle Paul heard before when he was Saul of Tarsus on that road to Damascus. And he heard the Lord say, why are you persecuting me? And I, I'm very passionate about this, so I know that this is not the topic of the show. Uh, but you, you, you triggered something in me when you brought that <laughs> message up. That's a four-part message, so i got to be careful, Pastor Dwayne. But the fellowship of his suffering, I believe, is one of the most beautiful revelations that's untapped. Because we tend in the body of Christ to treat persecution as one of the unwanted side effects of the gospel. You ever listen to those commercials about medicine where they're talking about medicine and then they're telling you all the great things that medicine can do for you and then they quickly go talk faster than any auctioneer in the world and talk about all of the unwanted side effects it could cause hemorrhaging and death and all this other crazy stuff and then they say ask your doctor if this is right for you well we treat the gospel in a sense just like those medicine commercials where we, we say, oh, you're going to be blessed and you're going to have peace and joy yeah. and prosperity. Yeah. And then we get to the persecution part and we yeah. go fast. We say, hey, they might take you and beat you in the synagogue. Yeah. Yeah. And then ask 
if the gospel's right for you. Amen. <laughs> so it's it's not an unwanted side effect. The, the apostles rejoiced. That's right. They rejoiced, and I, I'm going to go quick with this, but they rejoiced because they were counted worthy to suffer. The Apostle Paul actually related it as a privilege. He said, you've been uh, given the, the privilege not only to know him, but to suffer for his sake, as if, wait, there's more, there's something even better. And they rejoiced. Why? Because in that suffering, there was a, a communion with Jesus and an intimacy with Jesus that you would not That's otherwise right. experience in this lifetime. And that intimacy with Jesus not only minimized the suffering, but made the suffering worth every, every, every second. Let me tie this quickly back into deception versus discernment. Many in the body of Christ are deceived thinking if we would just preach the gospel, if we would just share Jesus, everybody's going to like us, everybody will receive us, there won't be any opposition. That's a deception, brothers and sisters. Jesus was the kingdom incarnate. He was the God made flesh and they hated him, they rejected him, they killed him. Uh, the apostles that were so near and dear to the Lord and faithful to the Lord, uh, it's amazing uh, the historical accounts of their sufferings, of their ultimate, ultimate being martyred, most of them, on and on we could go, that, that there's this deception that has to be broke that everybody's going to like us. And then, man, if we're just, I've heard preachers say, let's just stick with the gospel and there won't be all this opposition. Well, Jesus was the gospel. It is the gospel of God's kingdom. It is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that, that kingdom is suffering violence. Yes, it is. And if you don't know how to relate to persecution properly, you'll back up, back down, and back out in time of your faith. Uh, we can't even handle persecution, much less what's coming, prosecution, and in time, if not dealt with, execution for the faith. History tells it, the Bible tells it. Uh, so this, this idea of suffering has to be um, a, a revelation that begins to emerge in order for the third great awakening to truly take place. Because uh, you love Jesus, you're not going to be popular with everybody. Uh, you make a stand for moral values and boundaries, moral absolutes, you're going to be rejected, hated, def defriended on Facebook. <laughs> and if, if I can just add something, I know we can't ultimately be prepared, we need the Holy Spirit, but we can better prepare as pastors people to not deny their faith, people to not be ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how to speak the truth and yes, speak it in love, which, which is kindness and patience with people and love and mercy, all of those good things. But if you speak the truth in this culture, you're going to suffer persecution at some level. So what a great question. I know a lot of people have tried to prepare mentally to put themselves in the situation where if, if I were asked, if the guns held to my head and would you deny Christ? And they try to rehearse it in their mind and what would they say? And here's the reality. You might think because of your commitment to Jesus that you wouldn't deny the Lord, but Peter thought he was ready because of his commitment to Jesus. You know what caused John to hold strong when Jesus was arrested? His security was in Jesus' commitment to him. And I believe that uh, if that day comes for you, it's not going to be your commitment to Jesus that's going to cause you to withstand. It's going to be remembering His commitment to you. You see why I love Javan so much and I bonded with him. Uh, you know, I too have many teachings on Christian suffering. I even teach at the school here a class 
that Christian suffering is a part of the package and we have to better prepare people to endure a great fight of afflictions. Ma'am, we love you. Thank you for calling, Char. I, again, I hope I got your name right. Uh, let's go to our next question, uh, an anonymous, anonymous call uh, from the USA, though. Uh, I appreciate you calling. Um, what's your question, please? Well, I, uh, I've been uh, in a church that I just started going to all a few months ago and uh, really was excited about it, uh, liked it. But I've been out of church for a couple of years, and, and not I wasn't backslid. I was sending ties to someone else, to another another organization, and, and still living with the Lord. But I'd been through a divorce and all that. So I'm going to this church, and it was pretty exciting at first. But the pastor, I noticed, this is something I would never do. But the pastor and another couple go to Vegas for a fun weekend. And I'm thinking, why in the world would a pastor go to Vegas I'm going to sit under somebody that would do that. And uh, it bothers me because I hate to leave a church for any reason. Unless, you know, I just wanted your opinion on it. I think quickly, I'm sure Javan can weigh in on this as well. Uh, those are, are things uh, that it is your responsibility to judge those things. I'm not talking about being judgmental or passing judgment. On, on the pastor, but part of what makes good church culture is a relationship with your pastor. And uh, you ask my opinion, I'm going to give it straight up, uh, rather than try to deal with uh, the moral issue on his end, I would recommend that you not quit, but I would recommend you set up an appointment and that you sit down with him and, and you, you ask him about it, share your concerns, and ask him as your pastor to speak into your heart and life. Are these, are these, are these concerns legit? Are they biblical? And make him, make him give an account uh, for his, his life because he's a leader over your life. So biblically, the, the biblical answer from my position would be, you've got to go to your past pastor now because that is an offense to you. It's bothering you. Uh, I even appreciate you being anonymous. I get your heart in this. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, I think that within the community of faith, we need to, how to, we need to learn how to lovingly uh, confront one another over issues that are offensive to us or issues that bother us. And we all must give an account for the hope that lies within us. Your pastor needs to give you an account on why he's doing whatever he's doing. And so I'm not, I'm not comfortable passing judgment on him uh, in this situation uh, and setting, but I'm very comfortable with encouraging you out of the love of God to go to him. That's excellent wisdom. It really is. I don't know that there's anything I could add other than, I mean, we don't know what, I, I mean, I don't know what he did in Vegas. I've heard of families going and doing only family friendly things. I know that people think that's impossible, but I've heard of it happening. <laughs> and so you can have a family friendly trip and I don't, I don't it's probably not the go-to place for a family friendly trip, but I know people who've done it. So I don't know what he did out there. Uh, and, uh, but I, you know, there's people that say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It shouldn't. Uh, yeah, I agree with Pastor Dwayne. Talk, sit down with him. Yeah. One-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And I like what Pastor Dwayne said about being anonymous. Good on you, sir, for that. Yeah. That, this is just as an excellent example of just, just biblical principles of how do we deal with all of these issues within our culture, within our churches. And if you'll go talk to him, this will help you, this will also help you discern whether you're going to stay or not. 
Yeah. The the issue may not be him going to Vegas or not going to be going to Vegas uh, with a couple in the church. The issue now may come down to he's defensive. Uh, he he doesn't care about your opinion. Uh, how he handles you, I believe, makes a difference. So that that may be what causes you to stay, or what causes you to 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 leave. How does he respond to to a a member of his own church that he's accountable to God for on how does he respond to your concern? Does he clarify? Uh, this is this is important. Mm -hmm. and this is why I won't make a prejudgment myself. Uh, Javan touched on it. We don't, I don't know what he's doing. Uh, uh, you need to find out and you need to ask. And so that meeting would be awesome. I'd, I'd appreciate you calling us back uh, after that meeting. Uh, we appreciate you calling so much. Well, we got other questions, but I want to jump back in before we go back to the phones to some points that I believe Javan needs to make. Uh, number one, we, we have to learn and be taught uh, to transition. He didn't say it this way. This is what I heard. You know, from immaturity to maturity, from a convert to a disciple, or you're going to be dominated as a carnal Christian. That's what a carnal Christian is, brothers and sisters. It's someone, according to 1 Corinthians 3, that, that operates as mere men. And, and the hook that the devil has in the world and in the darkness, dragging them into the pit of darkness, is their five physical senses. What they feel, they smell, they hear, they taste, they touch, all of these things being dominated by that. Well, Christians, whether you understand it or not, many are dominated by what they feel, what it looks like, instead of truth. And so I know he has some more things. So let's go back before we go to our break and then we'll go back to the phone calls uh, to where you left off. So I'll wrap up a couple of things about Jacob, but there was one statement you just made before we pulled too far away from it in your response to the gentleman about the pastor in Vegas. And you said, well, see if your pastor gets defensive. And that was something you and I talked about a little before the, the show started. How do people respond? And Pastor Dwayne and I had this conversation. How can you tell? Because you've got to know, in fact, I'm probably stepping into your territory, Pastor Dwayne, but you said that uh, people need to know that they're susceptible to deception and that uh, if, if, if you don't, if you have that mentality, how did you say it? Well, if, if you believe you can't be deceived, right. you're already deceived. That's exactly right. Uh, yeah. Because why would the New Testament say, be not deceived, be not deceived again and, and related scriptures to deception 52 times, 52 times, and that might be, not be a possibility in our lives. So I just want to encourage you to be open to truth, even the truth you know, there's more to know, and you don't want to be deceived. Go ahead. Thank you. I didn't know if I was going to articulate it the same way you did, <laughs> but that leads us to a question then that's good for reflection, not introspection. I never encourage people to become self-focused or introspective, but it is good to to take a look and say, hey, is there a plank in my eye? Yeah. <laughs> am, I, am I deceived in any yeah. area? And we're all susceptible, or I mean, we're growing in maturity, but I mean, any of us can fall into deception, right? I mean, Adam and Eve were living in perfection. Yeah. Eve got deceived in a state of perfection. That's right. And so, <clears throat> how can you tell? How can you discern, just as you were saying discernment, how can you discern 
if you are in the early stages or even advanced stages of deception, and I think it's a tendency to grow defensive when someone's sharing truth with you. Yeah. If someone's sharing truth, and as I was telling you before the show began, I was mentoring a young man who's in his 20s, and I, my respect for this young man has skyrocketed because he brought a situation to me that it was something he thought could be a good situation, and when he presented it to me, I just didn't have peace at all, and I knew I had to tell him the truth. So I started telling him the truth, and this is his words to me. This came from a, a young man in his 20s. That shows that maturity is not always measured by a proportional right. <laughs> to age. And this young man looked at me and he said, I'm feeling the urge to respond defensively. He said, I want to get defensive with you. And I guess that's a red flag and that's a sign that I'm wrong. Yeah. And man, when he said that, yeah. my respect for that young man, not that yes. he ended up in the situation to begin with, but how he... Yeah responded. How do you respond? Amen. So anyway, I thought that was really good. And I, I know we're, we're short of time, but I'm just going to make one more statement to wrap Jacob up because we've left Jacob hanging. <laughs> and so Jacob was with uh, Isaac and just very quickly, uh, Isaac says, now bring me your, your stew, bring me your game. Right. And so uh, if, if you missed the first segment, those who might have missed the first segment, I was saying that Jacob uh, went to Isaac to create this. He wanted to feel like Esau and Esau said, well, the voice isn't quite right, but the hands feel like it could be uh, Esau's hands. And we compared that to when people say, well, I'm not sure if this is the voice of God, but it feels like it could be the hand of God. Man, Satan is a master at making something feel like it could be the hand of God, but he can't imitate the voice. It's like That's the right. lamb, someone looking like a lamb, but talking like a dragon. We read from Revelation 13, 11. Well, then Isaac takes the stew from Jacob, and this happens in verse 25. We were in just Genesis 27, and in 25, he brought Isaac, Jacob took the stew to Isaac and, 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 and some wine, and Jacob partook of the goods. Man, once you, once you take the goods... Yeah. You're, that's it. You're, you've bought into the lie. And then in verse 26, his father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. And he came near and kissed him and he smelled. This is verse 27. He came near and kissed him and smelled the smell of his clothing and blessed him. And I, I, I know I'm aware of the time, but there's just this quick point here that he smelled the smell. Well, smell throughout the Old Testament denotes discernment. Right? It's that sign of discernment. The sense of smell really is tied, I believe, to discernment in many ways. And he says, come here. And he smelled the smell of the clothing. And then he said, surely the smell of my son is like the smell of the field, which the Lord God had blessed. So at this point, his discernment has failed him. He, he took the goods. He took the stew and the wine. His discernment has completely failed him. And because he chose to buy into the lie, all subsequent evidence mm -hmm. seemed to confirm what he had already chosen to believe. Mm. Mm. And so he said, the, the smell, and he takes in the smell. <gasps> it's the smell of the field. This is the smell of my son Esau. Yeah. And his discernment is now telling him it's Esau yeah. because he mm. took the goods. So when you choose mm. to buy into the lie, and, and he had reservations up until that point, he kept saying, are you really my son, Jacob? Are yeah. you really my son? And he yeah. kept doing that. But once he took the goods, he swallowed the lie. And then at that point, his discernment utterly failed him. It's like a, a, a hardening of the heart. And this is where repentance has to come for all of us to, to remain pure before the Lord and, and faithful and loyal to the Lord is once you buy into the lies, the deceptions of the world, then your discernment starts to drop. Uh, once, you, once you think about how can anyone believe 
that there's more than two genders. Yep. This would have been absurd in the 1950s and even 60s. As goofed up as that generation, my generation was, we knew what a boy and a girl was. But once you once you eat that stew, yep. Once you once you partake of that, now it's 57 genders. Then now it's over 100 genders. Now you've pushed it down into the element. We, we need to repent, brothers and sisters. Man, I'm out of time this segment. I'll be back in 90 seconds with your phone calls. Andrew has many conferences and seminars around the globe each year. For the latest information on Andrew's complete speaking schedule, visit our website at awmi.net slash events. created with a purpose, written in the heart of God, long before you were born. He is calling you to find it. We want to help you experience His unconditional love, to be equipped and empowered to become a world changer. Hey, you know, a big part of what we do here at Truth and Liberty is to provide you with the resources that you need in order to stand for truth in the public square. So I want to remind everybody to go to our website and check out our resources page at truthandliberty.net slash resources, where you can find material that discusses just about every issue we're facing today in our culture. And these are things that are prepared by our strategic partners and some of the uh, most influential and important organizations in America today. Hey everyone, welcome back to Truth and Liberty. I'm Dwayne Sheriff and I'm sitting in for our beloved friend, Andrew Walmack. I hope you haven't been disappointed that he's not here. He's such a blessing. But I have my, my new friend, uh, Javan Smith with me and we're discussing discernment versus deception. And, and man, there's so many things. I'm, I'm almost feel, we, feeling frustrated even though we have an, a, one more segment left. We're gonna get to your calls and other questions are coming in. You you can call us at 719-719-619-2341, 719-619-2341. And we'd love to take your calls. Calls have been excellent. God bless you. The questions, I think, add to the quality of the program of us being able to touch on things we're either not going to get to or we should have got to. Uh, so thank you for, for, for calling. Did you wrap that up, you think, before I start taking calls, uh, that point about I love smell throughout Scripture of discernment. And when we, when we take the goods, right. uh, kind of like the Gibeonites with Joshua, right. uh, once they cut that covenant, yeah. In haste, and by the way, we didn't get to that. Isaiah said, he that believeth and a believer has discernment, maketh not haste. That's you do word. not get pressured into any, any thinking or commitments or decisions without the counsel of the Lord. And Joshua, he got deceived and the Gibeonites uh, fooled him uh, because he overrode, I think, the voice in him. Yes. Uh, and he, he, once he took those good goods, you know, his smell, his discernment went down. So before I go to the phones, anything else you want to add to that? Well, I, I love you bringing up the Gibeonites and I don't know if there's going to be time to address it, but maybe after some of the questions, we might take a look at that if that's, if time permits. If, if, if we have time, that would be awesome. Uh, you know, the three that I had in my series, 
series was no. was Eve. I've I've learned so much from Absolutely. that process. Absolutely. How do you, how do people get deceived like they're deceived today? Right. There's got to be a path. There's got to be a process. I liked your angle of 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 how to how to protect yourself, you know, from offense. I mean, <laughs> I've got offense on my mind, but uh, deception. But that, that path, so I really looked at Eve, and I'm going to incorporate that in my series on it, and then, and then Jacob is so good, and you were wonderful. But the Jebusites, you just don't hear many people talk about mm -hmm. that path. So I don't know if we'll get there or not, but keep it in mind. Uh, we'll go to the phones here for a moment to ja, ja, uh -oh. <laughs> Jana, Jane, Jana, oh man, you, I, I apologize. Johan, Johan, could you say it for me? It's Jonna Jane. Jonna Jane. Jonna Jane. I was going to let Pastor Dwayne do all the trying. Jonna, <laughs> Jonna Jane, you're a sweetheart from Texas. Uh, thanks, A, for your love. B, for calling. Uh, what's your question, please? Well, you might get your chance to keep uh, on the path that you're on with the discerning and go into some of this with the Jebunites. Um, it's really about the carnal Christians of today. And I know that we're to be, you know, doing everything we can to influence them so they can make a better decision and get vertical as vertical gets with the Word of yes. God and with yes. God himself. But you mentioned, you know, remain pure before the Lord. That is for us that are strong in the Lord. And when the waves of controversy and all of that is swirling, such as premature death, going to funerals um, with those kinds of exits that um, are, you know, I, I'd like to hear you speak to that. Um, kind of instructional for those of us that are strong in the Lord so that we don't get pulled into that path because we all want to help and we know that funerals are an opportunity to help bridge those differences and those two sides of Christianity. But I think that might be why Jesus said, let the dead bury their own is there is so much more on assignment that we are to stay focused on to keep those that are saved plugged in. Can you speak to that? Please? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to go necessarily, I'll let Javan go wherever he wants to go, but uh, the comment on the funerals, I get I get that, and, and, and boy, the casualties are just, they're mounting up. Sin, the wages of sin is death. And uh, a lot of the premature death we're experiencing. I remember the first time as a pastor, I began to try to just share from the pulpit, you know, people go, well, why did he die? Why did this person die? And so then you come from the pulpit and you start talking about, well, why people die prematurely, uh, dishonoring your parents, Ephesians chapter six, taking communion, not discerning the body, first Corinthians 11. And you just start sharing from the scriptures. Uh, you can die prematurely in disobedience to God. Sin is deadly. And so that's another thing. Uh, I'm scared to say your name again, uh, sweetheart, but uh, it's another Jonah thing. Jane, I think I mastered it. How do you, Jonna Jane, I believe. Jonna Jane. 
John and Jane. Uh, uh, but the, 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 the sin and us even from, from the podium, the pulpit trying to address sin isn't from self-righteousness or some better than thou uh, position. No, we're, we're trying to save people's lives in this life and the life to come. And it's like we've forgotten that in the church. So uh, as far as the, the casualties, uh, Jesus made it clear to Peter when he gave him an opportunity to say publicly, I love you three times to counter the guilt and condemnation of three times publicly denying him. He simply said, do you love me? And, and then feed my lambs. Do you love me? Yeah, Lord, I love you. Then feed my sheep. So a part of the church's responsibility is to nurture the immature, the lambs, and bring them along like you're, you're talking about. But also we've got to, we got to minister to the sheep, the mature among us on how to stand stronger, how to help the lambs. Uh, so a lot of this is coming home to the church uh, and our responsibility to counter the deception that's in the world. Uh, where are you at on this? So help me make sure I understood the question. She's saying if you're in funerals and someone died prematurely because of sin, and, and how do you address it in the funeral? Is that what she's saying? Or? No, I, we may need, uh, can may you jump back in here uh, with the, the heart of your question? Well, I love what you just addressed. That helped bring distinction okay. real easy. And yes, Jesus um, also mentioned that we're to let the dead bury their own and part of that is so that we are still moving forward in where we are feeding the sheep and not getting caught in the deception and being pulled out hmm. but um the premature is all around us I, I i have a situation immediately and I know the Lord will lead me and guide me in every conversation I'm to have, or I won't have one. It's that. <laughs> Amen. Good girl. <laughs> well, I, I was on a, uh, being interviewed on another, another show and uh, I wasn't given the questions. And so I was asked, what's the biggest problem in the church today? Mm. And right off the top of my head, I had to say immaturity, mm -hmm. immaturity. And, and you could start naming all these other things and they come back to immaturity. And the mature has to continue to mature to even minister to the immature. So you want to sh take a shot at it now? I'll just make a quick, a quick statement. Uh, so the, well, the question, the way it was presented to us, even before the call came through, was how do you deal with, how do we deal with casualties in this spiritual war? And so I just believe that, first of all, you, you do it with a heart of compassion. Have compassion for those that are lost. Have compassion for those who are in deception. Uh, we're not going to get them out of deception by having a, a, a judgmental heart, but we do have to speak the truth in love. And I'm going to tell you something that the Lord, and, and I'm not even sure if this really pertains to your question. I hope it does. J if it doesn't, just remember I said your name right and he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so. Touche. Hey, I'm sorry. And this is live, so it can't be fixed. <laughs> no, I can't fix it either. <laughs> Go ahead. Okay. So very quickly, one of the things the Lord taught me is this. It is possible to speak the truth outside of love. It's possible to speak truth and yet not speak it in love. However, it is impossible to love, truly love without speaking the truth. Amen. And so I want to encourage you, let, make sure the love is there. But if it's genuine love, you're going to speak truth.
Amen. That was just excellent. I wish we had more time uh, to elaborate on it, but I hope that that helps. Uh, let's go to Kim from Oklahoma. Thank you, Kim, for calling. Uh, what is your question, please? Yes, Pastor Dwayne, this is Chad and Kim in Oklahoma. Oh, how are you? This is a, a friend of mine. Wow. These people have blessed, blessed me. Uh, it's so good to hear from you, Kim. Uh, Chad doing well? Doing very well. Okay. Well, thank you for calling. Uh, what's your question today? Okay. My question is this. Um, of course, like I shared with the lady prior to you, is that I'm very blessed to get to sit under your teaching. So that is, uh, as far as having discernment, I fully trust that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but my question is this. Um, what about Christians that are sitting in churches that are not exposed to other things? I'm not saying that they're not being taught Jesus Christ, you know, the foundational things sure. in different areas of, you know, like we're in today, the political sides of things, just, yes. just like the the the. A uh, gentleman that shared about the pastor going to Vegas, you know, and I thought what you said was very good, you know, to meet with them. I, I follow all of that. But my question is, how do you not, how do you have discernment when you're not exposed <laughs> to good teaching? You know, Abs absolutely. Well, let's not take it uh, uh, granted the good teaching that is out there. And I do appreciate you, Kim. And there are so many today that God's raising up, Javan as one of them, a younger minister uh, that really have a passion for the truth and balance and, and the full counsel of God. Uh, but there are people sitting in churches that are not even exposed to the things that are needful to raise our children better. I wanted to get into, I got some other questions about deception in regards to our children. But let me just say this, let me remind you, Kim, of our opening statement and that Javan taught at the conference. He reiterated it here. It's our responsibility to take heed. It's our responsibility. If the pulpit isn't equipping us, informing us, we still have the responsibility to be informed. And so what I would say to people sitting in churches that are not getting this information is it's your responsibility to get it. Pastors can't spoon feed us everything that's going on in our culture. First of all, we don't have answers to everything that's going on in our culture. Uh, but I would, I would definitely say, and I think in this great awakening, this third great awakening, what the Lord showed me was that we're going to see an emphasis on discipleship. So even people sitting in dead churches, they have access to Andrew Walmack ministry and thousands of messages. They have access to me and my materials. They have access to Javan and some of the things he's saying here. So God is making things available for people that are sitting in dead churches not to be deceived. Where, do you, where are you at on it? Kim, that is a fantastic question. And it's a great segue into some of the things that we, we have been running out of time to talk about safeguards against deception, but a lot of people don't even know why they believe what they profess to believe. They take whatever they're fed and there's people that just sit in church. They don't read the word for themselves and you can't get secondhand revelation and expect to be fed off of it and live off of it. Your revelation about who Jesus is can't be secondhand, especially like when Jesus talked to Peter 
And they were on the road to Caesarea Philippi in Matthew 16. And he's asking them, well, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? In other words, what's the word on the street about me? And so they started, the, the disciples started responding. What different people had said about Jesus, that, oh, you're John the Baptist or Elijah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And when Peter responded by saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus affirmed Peter by saying, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. So you've got to have a revelation of who Jesus is, that flesh and blood did not impart. And thank God for human teachers. Uh, thank God for pastors. Thank God for those ministry roles. If those roles weren't there, Pastor Dwayne and I have to find other employment. <laughs> we have to find something else to do. But you've got to have a revelation of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was standing in front of Pilate and in John's account, there's something very profound. In John's account, John chapter 18, Pilate, I, I have this here in my Bible, but in John chapter 18, Pilate was questioning Jesus. And in verse 33, Pilate came into the praetorium and he said to Jesus, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus gave one of the best mic drop answers. <laughs> he answered with a question of sorts. But look what Jesus said in verse 34. Jesus said, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you this concerning me? And see, when we stand before the Lord... And he's going to say to some, I never knew you, even though they say, Lord, Lord. But he would say, are you speaking for yourself concerning your revelation of who I am? Or did someone else tell you? Is it hearsay? And it's not good enough just for someone to hear what their pastor or favorite teacher said. We've got to have revelation that flesh and blood didn't impart. And one of the safeguards against deception. And I was saying that in the New Testament, now in, in Christ, we have an advantage. We've got the inner witness that 1 John 2.27 says that we've got an anointing that teaches us all things. And you say, well, if that anointing teaches you all things, do you not need human teachers? No, you need human teachers. But see, here's what happens. There's an anointing on the inside of you, the Holy Spirit, that teaches you how to discern lies and how to embrace truth. You ever been sitting in a, in a, under someone's teaching or in a church or, or in a conference and you hear someone make a statement that you've never heard, they're imparting insight that you've never been exposed to, you've never seen it for yourself, but something on the inside of you comes alive. It's just like those two, uh, Cleopas and his companion, on the road to Emmaus with Jesus in Luke 24, when he was opening the Scripture to them, and their eyes were still restrained. They didn't know that it was Jesus. But as he opened the Scriptures to them, they later, talking between themselves, said, Did not our heart burn within us? That is the inner witness that you have with the Holy Spirit. That's why we have an advantage. So if you've been sitting under a message, let's say in a church or in a conference, and someone shares something that's truth and revelation that you've never heard, but something ignites inside of you that your heart burns within you, and you say, that is the truth. I don't know how I know. I just know. But I've also seen it work the opposite way, Pastor Dwayne. Absolutely. That you, you were just mentioning about people saying that there's no sowing and reaping. And uh, this one guy that his favorite thing to teach is Paul's letters. But... He said sowing and reaping is not part of the New Testament. And before I heard him say that, I had been hearing a message, and there was something cringing on the inside of me. And I couldn't explain what it was. And so I started paying more attention. And, and, and I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not trying to, to build my own knowledge of the Word, but I've spent time in the Word. And I was listening, and I couldn't hear anything that, that I could pick up to say, well, this is... This is specifically wrong, but man, something on the inside of me was rejecting it, rejecting it. And then finally, I heard him make a statement, sowing and reaping is not for the new covenant believer. Well, that's an absolute lie. In fact, that's when Paul said, be not, <laughs> not deceived. deceived. Yeah. Whatever man sows, he shall also reap. Well, that means if you deny sowing and reaping, you're deceived. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I, I guess to the, the point, it's, it's you've got to, first of all, let Scripture interpret Scripture. But if you're sitting under teaching uh, that's, that's not truth, again, Pastor Dwayne said it, I said it at the beginning, uh, it's your responsibility to take heed that you're not deceived. And the only way to do that is to be in the Word for yourself and not just take it secondhand. Yeah, that, that's why the things that, that we're saying, that we're doing here at AWMI, other, other leading ministries right now in the body of Christ, they're just vital. Uh, God is getting information to people, but as Javan just said, I was sitting in the conference. I was, I was uh, uh, one of the speakers. Javan was a speaker. And the minute he began to share certain things, and I'm not trying to correct you now uh, in this statement, but it wasn't that I hadn't heard it even. It was that I'm preparing messages on this. And what he's saying, something inside of me just leaped uh, with joy. I mean, it was like a joy. Uh, and uh, I'm sure if you've been watching now for for almost an hour and a half, you, you see what I saw, you hear what I heard, uh, and that anointing. See, the reason we still need teachers uh, is there's an anointing, a grace anointing on us as pastors, as teachers, apostles, prophets, that we're speaking from without, but it is supposed to ignite the anointing in you, like you, Kim, you've said under my ministry for years, and there were things I taught you'd never heard, other things you'd heard, but I took it to another place, another level, another layer. Uh, but it was the inside that you burned when, when the scriptures were shared. So God is, God is faithful to his people, whether they're in a dead church or in a live church. And it's not just for the, even the body of Christ either, uh, Kim what we're talking about, about taking heed. Uh, I don't want to name him. I'm, unco I'm uncomfortable naming people even that I know were wrong and, and, and it ruined their lives. But I, I, could, I could name high-end church leaders. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about on TBN, on national television, that got deceived. And they would not deal with the deception. It, it destroyed their ministry. It destroyed other people. Uh, and, and, and yet it could have been avoided. It could have been avoided. And, and I know of one personally that was an international known name that uh, I was in his office, literally, when half of his eldership got up and walked out of the church. Uh, I knew something was wrong. I couldn't put my finger on it, but there, I just was at the wrong place at the wrong time, or you could say the right place at the right time. Uh, and, and that deception he bought into, yeah. he had plenty of opportunities to repent, plenty of people that had an anointing on him to challenge him lovingly, and he just didn't do it. So from the pulpit to the pews, we all have to discern and develop that inner witness uh, and avoid, have these safeties in safety uh, guards in place. I'm going to be teaching on this. We're not going to be able to get into to all we wanted to get into. Uh, we're running out of time. Uh, here's a good question that came in that I wanted to throw at you. Uh, why can't people see how bad things have gotten? You're throwing this at me, not yeah. Kim. No, Kim's not gone. Kim. Okay, so Kim, I love me. you. I don't know if you're still there or not. I'm not asking you. We love you. Thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, I'm asking you. They, they're asking us. Uh, and I, I know where they're coming from because I'll be 
fellowshipping with my wife and go, why can't people see this? So I'd be curious how, how you would answer that. So I, I tend to respond going straight to the Word, but there's an illustration coming to my mind for answering or addressing what you just asked. And I remember a time in my life when I decided to switch some eating habits and got into eating healthier things, and, and I haven't stuck with it, I'll admit, Pastor Dwayne, I've got to work on that. Uh, this is not, the, I'm not the guy to talk to you hey, about. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad we're running out of time. Yeah. You, you need to be, go ahead. That's not good. All right. But I remember when I was, I was looking to eat healthier, and I started feeling different, and I started experiencing notable differences in how I felt, and I, I started, my body started craving good things instead of the junk that I'd been feeding on before. And when I'd been eating the junk before, and I've slipped back into eating junk again, but when I used to eat the junk <laughs> before, I didn't realize anything was wrong with it. I thought I was enjoying it. I thought the junk was good, and, and my body, I, I kind of craved it because I enjoyed it. But when I changed my eating habits, my flesh wasn't happy about it at first. But then I started realizing this is a good feeling, and I'm actually craving the good stuff now. Uh, but you don't realize that what you're eating is actually doing you harm until you stop eating it. And, and I'm... I'm kind of shifting that into this idea of there's people that are e eating poison, eating lies, but they don't realize. Uh, Jesus made the statement in Luke 5.39 where He said that people that have been drinking the old wine won't immediately desire the new because they say the old's better. And, and so what you've been feeding yourself with, what you've been <laughs> eating and drinking is, is what's influencing your thinking. And, and you probably don't see anything wrong with it. Uh, until you're out of it, and then you realize what was wrong with me, <laughs> and and I should have come out of, out of it sooner. So I, that's my response. That I believe people don't even realize they're not seeing how bad it is until you're able to take them out of it, and then they realize, wow, I didn't realize how bad it was. Yeah, it's it's like a fish in water. Yeah. It doesn't even know it's wet. Uh, people feed on the darkness. Good Christian people, again, th they feed on the on the darkness so much that they don't realize how it has impacted them, how it's poisoned them, how it's, it's created death in their lives. Uh, this is a good question, and I wanted to, before we run out of time, yeah. run it by you. It's one of the questions I had yeah. as well. It's worded a little different, but what's the best way to talk with your adult child who has become doubtful about Christ and the truth of God's Word? How do we, how do we communicate with our uh, older children that are being, that, that, again, you talk about a fish in water, they're in a culture of death, a culture of darkness. How do we talk to them? How do we help them? That's an excellent question. And first of all, full disclosure, I'll say that I've never fathered children, but I have been a youth pastor. <laughs> Thank God I'm not there anymore. I love my youth. But anyway, I will tell you this. I, as a youth pastor, I saw a lot of parents that would parent from a position of fear. And as they parented from a position of fear, fear of, oh, what if my son or daughter winds up in this situation or with this crowd or falls into this? And, and more often than not, the parents I saw parenting from a place of fear actually pushed their young people into uh, bad situations. What you have to do, and, and I know that this analogy has been used or, or this, however you describe it, uh, it's, it's a bit of a cliche. I, I didn't come up with it, but I can't think of a better one. Uh, they, if you're a, a currency expert, there's limitless counterfeits, but the way uh, to 
recognize and, and, and deal with all the counterfeits is not to learn each counterfeit, but it's become intimately familiar with the genuine. And what you have to do as a parent, you've got to promote for your son or daughter to have his or her own relationship with the Lord to where uh, there, it would be common in, in the Old Testament for people to say, Oh, God of my fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, but David was different. David said in, in the Psalms, he wrote, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. And there's no substitute. We were talking about Jacob earlier. Uh, Jacob, we're related to God as the God of my father Abraham, the God of my father Isaac. But God related to Jacob as, hey, I'm the God that you encountered in Bethel. I'm the God of Bethel because God wanted that, that where Jacob had an experience with him where it was a personal relationship. And there's no substitute for that. That might not sound, it might sound like a cookie cutter answer, but there's just no substitute for you promoting with your kids that he's the Lord, your God, and, and that personal relationship. Yeah, I have, uh, I have raised four children uh, into adulthood. They're all married and, and have their own children. Uh, I, I raised two two daughters, two spirit-filled daughters. I'm telling you, I can raise the dead. Amen. <laughs> so I have been there uh, and I had to walk each child uh, through the personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, not my faith, it's your faith. Not, not my decision, this is your decision before the Lord. And I wish I had my wife on the, on the set, uh, but I remember Jacob, Jacob was just a, a, a genius. Uh, he's now the pastor over all the Victory Life churches. Wow. Uh, but he was taking his life thinking God was taking him in a different direction. And I think it was Princeton. Man, if I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, my phone will probably go off. I'm sure my wife is watching, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it was Princeton that he went to over a summer uh, because he was thinking about going to school there for higher education. Uh, and anyway, he was, he was going to take some pre-summer uh, courses uh, to maybe, you know, start in his junior year versus his sophomore year. And so he was just, he was nailing it and getting things done. But anyway, I'd get a call from him every night. I'd get a call from him. And it was so much fun that, that dad, you were telling the truth all these years. <laughs> you know, he was bunking with another pastor's son. And this son had embraced, had, had ate the stew. Wow. Yeah. Of, of, of the world right. on, on issues that God has addressed and a secular worldview. He, he, he got to see a secular worldview versus a biblical worldview. So the best thing you can do for your children at any age is get the Word of God in them That's right. and develop a personal relationship with Jesus. So anyway, he, he called me every night, pray for him, and uh, God got a hold of his heart in the direction he was headed. And now, of course, he's the, the pastor of all of our Victory Life churches. But that relationship is so important, and it can't be religion. Amen. Religion will drive your children away from God. That's right. Uh, but a relationship with God and a relationship with you that you're not condemning them for their goofy thinking. Uh, you're not uh, uh, criticizing them for, for questioning their faith. Right. Uh, it's good that they early have their faith tested and know why they believe what they believe. Your children won't make it if they just believe what you believe because you believe it. Yep. They have to believe it. That's absolutely so, right. Man, you've got to trust the Holy Spirit with your children. Absolutely. And you're the steward, uh, but you've got to trust the Holy Spirit. Trust absolutely. His work and don't try to do His job for Him.
Well, is there anything that you'd like to say? We got one minute. Very quickly, yes. One minute left. I'm disappointed we're running out of time, but. I'll just say very quickly, you, you ever read in Luke's account of the, of the temptation of Jesus, it said that the enemy left for a more opportune time. You say, did, did that ever happen? I believe it did. I believe it happened uh, through Peter in Matthew 16, right after Peter said what I referenced earlier, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Then he went on to say, no, you can't go to the cross. And I believe that was the enemy trying to make Jesus say, hey, you should listen to this guy. He's a, listen, de deception can come from well-meaning friends, but you've got to have your guard up and make sure Jesus saw right through it. Yeah. He saw right through it. And the enemy's looking for opportune times with you. But I, just like the writer of Hebrews, I'm persuaded of better things concerning the people watching this show. <laughs> we love you and thank you for Amen. tuning in. Pastor Dwayne, I love you. What an honor to be with you, oh, sir. Oh, it's been a blessing. I, I knew, you know, we would have good fireworks and just that energy. I, I know you've been blessed. I appreciate the calls. Uh, they were so good and added to the, to the program. I look forward to seeing you. I'll actually be back tomorrow. I hope that you can be with us. God bless you. Thank you for joining today's Truth and Liberty livecast. You can watch today's and past livecasts in our archives at truthandliberty.net. Our goal is to educate Christians and connect them with resources and organizations to help them impact their sphere of influence. You can help us accomplish this by making a donation at truthandliberty.net slash donate. Join us next time for more Truth and Liberty.